understand that this is not your reality and you may never know what it feels like to have a dad where you would be terrified if your dad got pulled over for a speeding ticket because of the way he looks. You may never understand what it feels like to have a black son and have to teach him how to reach for his registration in the car so it's not mistaken for a gun. You know, you you may never know what that feels like, but to acknowledge that it's real and not say, but this, but that. You're listening to episode number 83 of the Self-Care Sunday podcast, a minimalist media project by Kaylee Reed. Every Sunday, only on Sundays, I release a new podcast episode exploring topics like self-care, mental health, entrepreneurship, social media, and this week we're talking about something incredibly important and timely, which is Black Lives Matter. This is something that I haven't talked about on this platform before, and this is actually going to be uh, one part of a mini-series of episodes around this subject, given the nature of events happening this week in Canada, the U.S., and really racism around the world. This is not just limited to North America, but obviously for the context of these episodes, I'm speaking with content creators here in North America. I want to start by giving a bit of context around why I decided to do this series, uh, where this is coming from, and who is being interviewed here. So some context on me in case this episode got sent to you by somebody or you haven't listened to my podcast previously and this is your first time tuning in. I live in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I grew up in Canada. I was born in Canada. My mom immigrated from El Salvador and my dad and his side of the family are white Canadian. So I am white passing. I would say in most contexts, people just assume that I'm fully white. And for the context of this episode, I'm pretty much coming at this conversation as a white person because my experiences have not really been that of a visible minority. I come from an advocacy background in mental health and Something that I struggled with, uh, you know, creating content around Black Lives Matter and speaking to this issue, and I will be the first to say that I didn't speak about it soon enough. I think the reason why is because I felt like I should not be the person leading this conversation. And other social justice topics such as mental illness or um, other political issues, I, you know, can have firsthand experience in speaking about those things. But this specifically, I felt like I shouldn't be the one speaking out about it because what if I say the wrong thing? It's uncomfortable as a white passing person. And I just didn't really know how to approach this conversation. And after speaking, thankfully, with my friends and other Black creators who I'm really grateful shared their time with me to have these conversations... I realize how actually incredibly important it is to be leading these conversations and to be a voice in these conversations as an ally and as a white person or white passing person, because quite frankly, uh, our black friends and black voices are not being heard. And often black voices are not taken as seriously as white voices, especially when we talk about politics, when we talk about human rights, when we talk about racial injustice, white peers are more likely to listen to their white peers. And so thankfully, I had these really moving conversations and realized kind of 
the role that I have as an influencer, a creator, and somebody with a platform to not only be lifting up the voices of Black creators, which I think is the number one thing, but to also be adding to the conversation, to be creating meaningful conversations. And so that's what I'm doing here. That's what this episode is. And I hope that this mini series can be helpful to you. I'm honestly still working on editing as this is being posted. Um, This first episode is one of I, I'm going to guess three episodes that I'm going to post on this matter just because I have so much content around it now. Um, but I really, really, truly hope that you can take something away from these episodes that you learn as a white person, if you're listening, as an ally, as another minority who might not be black, how you can help support your black friends. And we're going to get into that conversation very shortly. So this episode particularly is about how to use your voice as a white ally. I know for me, I was uncomfortable and scared of saying the wrong thing or asking the wrong questions and coming off as maybe insensitive, but the reality is that these conversations are just tough and uncomfortable to have point blank and there's no real way around it and we need to be having them anyways. So in this episode, you can expect to hear um, just an overview from the creators that I'm interviewing as to why it was important for them to speak up on this issue and particularly on this podcast, why they lent their voices. If there is a right and wrong thing that you can say as a white person when speaking to your black friends, um, as well as touching on different issues around what white people can do to hold each other accountable and whether or not this has become a breaking point uh, when it comes to racism in our society. So now the content creators, I wanna introduce you to three of my friends and creators that I've had the pleasure of working with and supporting. The first is Carly, at Your Girl Carly, and I'm gonna link all of their handles in the show notes below if you wanna go follow and support them if you don't already. Uh, Carly is a content creator based in Edmonton, Alberta. She does a lot of body positivity content. She has almost 200,000 followers on TikTok, and she is a very vocal, outspoken advocate, so I'm really happy to have her on board. The second creator I have on board this series is Tanisha Cherry, and Tanisha is one of my friends based in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. She's another digital content creator. She's launching a podcast shortly, and Tanisha has had the experience of living in both Canada and the United States as a black woman, which comes into some of the conversation we have around uh, Canada and the U.S. and how racism looks differently, which will be in the second episode of this series. And then the third content creator that I have on board is uh, Hey Bria Jones. I'll again link her information in the show notes. She is a fashion content creator. She has almost 200,000 followers on TikTok. I have the pleasure of working with her at my agency very closely. Bria lives in Kansas City in the United States, so her perspective is more coming from on the ground in the U.S. where things feel much more, I think, tense than they do here in Canada. If this episode moves you or you find it helpful or a good resource, which is kind of the goal of why I wanted to be putting these episodes together, I encourage you to share it with people in your life who might also find it a helpful resource. And um, just a reminder to also please be taking care of yourselves. I know that 
This time in the world is incredibly polarizing. There is so much going on between a global pandemic and racism being brought to the forefront yet again, where people are fighting for their lives and fighting to have a space in conversations and fighting for their voices to be heard. Take care of yourselves, practice self-care, and I hope that this conversation can also be a form of self-care for you. And with that said, I'm going to get into today's episode. We start the conversation around how the burden of education continually falls on Black people and how these creators have been feeling this week having all these conversations. Here's Tanisha. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted of always having to carry this burden with me. I'm exhausted that, you know, I'm in this city and I still feel so alone, even though we are so multicultural, even though there are more Black people. It's just, it's upsetting. And it's great that other people are holding um, our counterparts accountable and it's great that they're responding to it, but it's almost starting to feel like some people are just posting the quotes just to not look bad. They're not actually taking the time. And then a lot of people aren't even doing the research on their own. Like their questions are, you know, how can I do this? How can I do this? And it's like, did you read my whole stories? Like I've been posting a lot of resources on books people can read, movies they can watch, other Instagram creators, you know, what is white privilege? Like, do I need to do a blog post? Do I need to do an hour long video about it? Because I'm posting this information to help you guys. And it's like, you're just blindly ignoring and trying to get the quick answer. And Mm -hmm. I understand that people want to have the conversation, but you know, doing a little research on your own, it means the world to actually bring something to the conversation. It's just like when people message me and say, I want to be a blogger. How do I do it? Like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Like, I don't even respond to those questions anymore because like, you're not serious, you know, ask me, ask me a direct question. That's the frustrating part about it. It's like, I'm continuously having to, and then some people you're continuously having to defend why this is wrong. And it's like, All that said, and kind of feeling like a burden myself, I wanted to ask these creators why they were open to having this conversation, even though they've been doing it time and time again. Here's Carly. I think the reason I wanted to have this conversation is, one, this podcast is going to turn into a resource for so many different people to understand from specifically Black voices, which is going to be very, very beneficial in the long run. I also want to have the conversation because as much as I can sit here and say like you need to educate yourself sometimes people do need a push in the right direction so sitting down and having a conversation like conversation is is key education is key I also learned that for a lot of black people this is the first time their friends are even really asking them about race for more on that Bria weighs in on the discomfort she's been feeling but why she's putting that aside to have these conversations it's never gonna feel like a good time to talk about it I just feel like someone has to you know and I can appreciate the fact that there are people that I know and love that want to do better and want to put more weight on their backs for this issue. So if that means putting myself through discomfort, then, you know, so be it. We just can't sit here and try to make it all feel comfortable. It's never going to. I would rather my friends be open and honest with me, like, hey, what can I do? Like, I appreciate that because like my entire life, my friends have never asked me, what can I do? Like, this is the first time 
people I know are asking me like, how can I help? What can I do? And I think it's because I made myself available to ask those questions and I made it safe. Something that all of my interview guests shared was that the most easy way to be a better ally is to simply check in on your Black friends, especially this week with everything going on in the world, check in on them and ask how they've been doing. When I asked if there was a right or wrong way to be having these conversations, if there's things that we should or shouldn't say, here's what Carly had to say. White people are so uncomfortable by the idea of racism, that they suddenly take the whole part out of their brain that they've been friends with this person for one, three, five, seven years, and then they suddenly don't know how to approach this person who they've shared Mm. so much of their life with, and they're like, oh, I don't know how to talk to them. Like, talk to them like a friend. Like, it's not like they just started being Black. (laughs) They've been Black the whole time. Like, Talk to them like a friend. Just be like, hey, how are you? How are you feeling? How can I support you? And support doesn't have to mean how can I share resources and all this stuff. Support can literally just mean, hey, are you doing okay? Can I do something for you? Do you need someone to talk to? Do you need somebody to take your mind off of it? Do you want to go out and have a normal day where nobody asks you about anything? Like I said before, people suddenly are forgetting that we are more than our skin color (laughs) by asking your friends if they are okay it's not asking them how do you feel about racism it's literally asking them how are you as a person in my conversation with bria we talked about how white people feel so uncomfortable talking about these issues, especially if they've never really talked about race before. Uh, We're not sure what to say. We're afraid of saying the wrong thing. And this was Bria's response. Yeah, so this this is a really good point where I think the reason why allies aren't speaking up is because they're afraid of doing it wrong. And I can't say that that's totally valid. I mean, we live in a world right now, especially with like Twitter and social media, where you could get canceled so quickly. So I understand people thinking like, oh, I might say this the wrong way. And everyone is just walking on such eggshells right now. And personally, I I need, you guys have got to make the effort because that's how you learn. Just like anything else in life, like if you fall off the bike, you got to learn how to get back. You know what I mean? You got to learn how to do it the right way. But The best way to handle these situations is to understand that this is not your reality and you may never know what it feels like to have a dad where you would be terrified if your dad got pulled over for a speeding ticket because of the way he looks. You may never understand what it feels like to have a black son and have to teach him how to reach for his registration in the car so it's not mistaken for a gun. You know, you may, you may never know what that feels like, but to acknowledge that it's real and not say but this, but that. When people try to finish the narrative for us, when people try to speak as if they understand, that's where things get messy. You will never understand what it feels like. But when you acknowledge that it's real and that it's an issue and that it needs to be fixed, 
not filling in the gaps and trying to finish the story for us. And there's always like a but with some people like, but like, what if he was being aggressive? But what if, you know what I'm saying? Like, no, no. Like the police force is trained to deal with aggressive people without killing them. And murder is murder. There's no buts. We saw the video. We saw exactly what happened. We've seen black people being murdered inside of their homes. What but do you have for it? Just stop. Like, listen. And sometimes all you need to do is listen. When it comes to the messages and action from their friends and followers, here's what Bria said was most meaningful. I can even appreciate, like I've had my friends reach out to me and send me the most thoughtful messages. And it, it doesn't have to be anything like elaborate. It's just like, hey, I see how horrible these situations are. And I'm never going to know what it feels like to be in your shoes, but I'm thinking of you. I'm thinking of your family. And I just want you to know that I'm an ally. And if there's any way that you think of that I can help and support, I want to. And that's literally it. And it's the most simple thing you could do to support the Black community right now. And I, I was honestly surprised to see like how many of my friends had done that. I went to school in Arkansas. Um, which if you're not aware, Arkansas is not so diverse. Um, I went to a school that the most black people were probably the athletes at the school. And I obviously was not an athlete, but when issues would happen, like Trayvon Martin happened when I was in college. And I just remember feeling so alone and so isolated and like, nobody understood how uncomfortable I felt. And I didn't talk about it. I didn't bring it up because I didn't feel safe. I literally, everyone around me was white. So it just was one of those things where I didn't feel like I had a safe space to even talk about it. And I I didn't know, I didn't know how to have an opinion then anyways in college, but I understand that feeling of isolation during those times. And so If there's anything I could hope others do is think about your Black friends and just check in on how their mental health is. To repeatedly see a Black man being suffocated on your your feed and you're not trying to see it all the time is very triggering. And it's been very triggering for me. So we've heard a lot of the do's of things that we should be doing to be better allies. But I wanted to ask Tanisha if there was any don'ts that we should keep in mind while having these conversations. Don't be dismissive and also don't be defensive. And that's just the biggest thing. You know, if you're going into it with sound, body, and soul, thinking about those three things, I don't feel like there's anything that you can um, say that will upset that person. Because honestly, we are so grateful that you guys want to talk to us about it. You want to have a conversation. You want to be a part of the change. Like people are sitting here posting about how you can be a better ally. People are saying, I want to be an ally. I thought I was an ally. Mm -hmm. but I guess I'm not. So I need to change what I'm doing. So I don't think there's anything people can really do except for being defensive, you know, interrupting them, you know, listening to not understand, but to create a rebuttal. That's the biggest thing. And while we've been talking a lot about what white people can do to support their Black friends, we haven't really talked about what white people can be doing when talking with each other. And this is something Carly brought up with me. Something else I actually want to touch on is the notion of white friends letting their white friends slide. White people 
what they need to do right now, white people need to talk to other white people and hold other white people accountable for their bullshit. White people who make racist remarks will not respond to black people, people of color, telling them that what they're saying is racist because they perceive black people, people of color, et cetera, as less than them. So they will not absorb this information and be like, oh, maybe what I'm doing is wrong because they don't care about our opinion. The best thing white people can do is hold other white people accountable. If you see it on social media, have a discussion. If you see it in person, speak about it. There's been so many examples where police have been speaking to black people, people of color, and a white person has interjected and the situation has been diffused. And that is an incredible way for white people to use their privilege for the betterment of society. To your point about um, white people interjecting in conversations uh, that police are having with black people, I did see a video this morning where at one of the protests, there was like a wall of white people, of white people in the front. Yes, because the police were not doing anything to the white people. So they just like created a wall before all of the other protesters, which simple, effective, crazy mm-hmm. that it takes that to stop the violence. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. White people need to understand their privilege And then they need to use it in an effective way. And if that is literally putting yourself between the police and Black people, that's a thing that you got to do. The thing is, is that a lot of people are too comfortable and they don't want to be uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable is a horrible feeling. We all know that. But fearing for your life is way worse. Then we got into a conversation about the protests in the United States and how a lot of these protests are turning violent. A lot of people disagree that violence is necessary when protesting, and this is what Bria had to say about it. Well, my first thing that I'm going to say is anyone that is triggered by these riots, you should look a little deeper into who's starting them. The media portrays one thing to look a certain way. And um, I have friends who are actually in Dallas right now because I'm I'm from Dallas, Texas. And um, it's not Black people starting those riots. Um, A lot of them are white and that's not what you're hearing. So I would say to first look a little deeper into that. And of course, these are the things that you're not going to see because these are exa- that's exactly what people want you to say. That's exactly what the media wants you to think is, oh, here's black people causing chaos again. Like, here we go. Well, we did a lot of peaceful protesting, first of all. We kneeled and you guys had a huge issue with that. It was completely disrespectful, uh, according to white people. And that was incredibly peaceful. We've done so many peaceful things. Um, and a lot of these protests are not escalating to riots. Of course, the peaceful protests are not going to make the news. In Kansas City, there have been protests where I'm currently at. And you probably haven't seen one single headline about it because they've been incredibly peaceful. So, 
you know, don't get caught up in the media game. Like, take the time to educate yourself on what's really going on and what is actually true and what's real. Like, it's so frustrating to see that only one thing will be shown. You know, a peaceful protest is not headline worthy. So you're never going to see it. And um, that's just, that's just facts. Like, you know, it's, we want peace just as much as everyone does, but we want justice even more. So if that means compromising one thing for the other, then so be it. But I know that there's a lot of very clever ways that people are thinking of protesting. I just heard about July 7th, there is supposed to be a day where black people do not spend money and, um, or people of color. So they're calling people of color and black people and allies to not spend money on July 7th. And I, I, it was funny. I actually told AJ, you know, we were talking about the riots and stuff. And I was like, you know, I just don't think that anything's going to, I mean, we've all these tactics we've tried and none of them have worked, but what if you got to hit them where it hurts? You got to hit them in their pockets. Like the government does not care about these riots and these buildings. This does not affect them. But when it comes to the economy, oh, now, now it's a war. And I think that's the only way to get them to listen. And I mean, they literally said, forget coronavirus. The economy is crashing. Go back to work. We'll figure it out. Only 3% of you will die. That's not too bad. So like money is the root of everything here. And if we know that much, then okay, we can do a peaceful protest that way too. After having these three conversations, which by the way, were each about an hour long condensed into this 30 minute episode, I kept feeling kind of stupid actually for even feeling like I needed to reach out to these creators and get their opinions and experiences on things because I kept thinking to myself, why don't I just know all of this? Like, why did I feel uncomfortable talking about it? It's such basic stuff. Why didn't I know? And so because I had that feeling and that realization, I asked Tanisha, do you feel like this is a turning point? I 100% think so. And I love it because so last night, you see my stories, you know, I had to, the week yeah. was draining. I had to have some food and wine, watch a nostalgic movie to get in my zone. And one of my friends called me and I actually used to work at this dealership with him. And I've known him for about like six years and he's white. And we've had this conver- these conversations many of times, you know, I remember I brought up the term white privilege to him and he's like, that doesn't exist. You're crazy. <laughs> And, you know, he he was the first person I ever heard use the term reverse racism. Like, what the heck? (laughs) I was like, I was shocked. I was like, what? (laughs) And when the whole Colin Kaepernick thing happened, you know, he had such a strong opinion that, you know, we have to uphold the authorities. Like, if we're not going to sit here and abide by their rules and allow them to do their jobs, like, the system is crumbling. And I'm like, how are we friends? And he's a great person, but I'm just like, this is a problem. And we Mm -hmm. get into these heated arguments. How I know we're at a turning point is because yesterday out the blue, he called me last night and he's like, I wanted to call you and just apologize. And I was like, what'd you do? (laughs) Like, I just saw you last week. What are you talking about? And he's just like, everything that's happening in the world, 
we've I just was reflecting on all the conversations we have, all the arguments we've had about race, what your stance was on it, the things that you said, the terrible things that I said back. And he's just like, I apologize for not hearing you and not and just being so dismissive. You know, he's like, I have literally stood on the sidelines and chosen to ignore what's happening and to see someone get killed on film like that. He's like, it's just, it really has me feeling horrible. And it just has me thinking back to a lot of conversations that we had. And he's like, I'm really sorry. And I'm here with you. And I know there's things that I'm probably going to continue to say, but I'm open to receiving anything that you say. And I want to learn and I want to do better. And I'm just like, wow. And he's older than me. So it's just kind of like, to think that, you know, someone that has had this mindset for however long in their life, and we've had this conversation, I've tried to bring you onto the side of reason, <laughs> and you have just resisted it as much as you can, and to call me out the blue like that, and it's not even like just to feel it, but to feel a sense of, no, I need to speak to my friend about this, like, right away. I'm just mm-hmm. like, wow, this is amazing. And I think this is happening because... Like, it's not the first time we've seen a Black man killed on film. This has been happening for the last four... It's been happening, but it's been more prevalent on social media for the last four years or five years, one after the other, one after the other. But I think it's because everyone's inside. People, you know, don't have any distractions. They're hyper-aware of content that is being, you know, given to them on social media, whereas usually we're busy. We're on the go. Like, you see a headline, you keep scrolling. But now people are really diving in. People are unfollowing people that they followed on social media because they're realizing that you're actually not relatable. I actually am not connecting with you. I actually don't like you, (laughs) whatever the case is. You're not that funny. Like people are getting (laughs) to know the people they're following and they're changing that, but now they're also taking in what they see and they're diving in because you don't have anything but time. They're Googling, they're doing their own research. So I think because we have this moment of stillness and then this crazy thing happened, people are like, wait, what? Like what's going on? And they're following it and they're paying attention and they're really feeling it because, again, we don't have those distractions as we normally did. So I feel like that's why this is so, you know, I feel like that's why it's making such an impact and that's why people are speaking out. And then I also think that, you know, as a Black community, I feel like for the first time we're being very vocal because we know we have the eyes and ears on us to call people out directly and say, look, I'm not going to be general anymore. I'm not, you know sub-tweeting or sub-posting. I'm not sending subliminals. I'm being direct. I need my white friends to stand up for me, okay? Because this could be me. This could be my family member. This could be my colleague. This can be anybody. And I need you guys to stand by me and say that you want me to live because that's really what it comes down to. You want me to live. You want me to be able to safely walk down the street, go for a job, You want me to be able to go to a store and purchase something with my credit card? Like, you want me to make it to the next day. To wrap this episode, and after having so many conversations over the past few days, I asked Bria if she had seen any recurring themes in these conversations, and if there's anything that she wanted to leave as a final note for this episode. Yeah, I think a lot of people have been appreciative of my suggestion to make the biggest impact with your loved ones. Um, It starts at the home. It starts with the people you know and love. And, you know, everyone, I think everyone can say you probably know someone in your life or know someone that knows someone in your life that's racist. 
Um, we have racist family members. We have racist friends. We have people who just are ignorant and don't understand even where their hate comes from. But I think what you guys can do if you really care about this situation and you really want to bring change, start questioning the people you love on their beliefs. And it's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to suck. But just remember that timing, where and when you ask these questions is important. I mean, be mindful of those things. But if you can just pause when someone says something that is off the wall and say, hey, like, why do you speak that way? Why are you so hateful towards this group of people? You don't know them. How how could you say that about an entire group of people? And continue to break down these questions until you're holding up a character mirror at some point and saying, this isn't right. I mean, I love you, but I don't love the way that you think. And it's kind of hurtful to hear you speak that way because I know your heart and I know you're better than that. I think when all of this starts to come from a place of love, as ironic as that sounds, that's when we start to make progress. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. And if you've listened all the way through until now, thank you for working on being a better ally. Please use this episode as a resource if you are a white person having uncomfortable conversations rather than burdening your black friends over and over again with the same basic questions. Share this podcast episode with your white friends as a way to start those conversations and get that ball rolling. There will be a second part to this episode, which will be coming out sometime this week, I, depending on how long it takes for me to finish editing it. And until then, please continue to take care of yourselves. Happy Self-Care Sunday, everyone.